Welcome to the Association Toolbox, a podcast for the most important tool in associations, the dedicated people who work in them. We'll dive into a variety of topics with a focus on how to best serve our members and the amazing people behind the scenes making things happen. From member engagement to event planning, from governance to advocacy, and from leadership to marketing, we've got it all covered. Our guests are experts in their fields who share their real-world experiences, tips, and insights. Join us for a casual and informative conversation and gain new perspectives to help you navigate the world of associations. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, the Association Toolbox is here to help you make your association the best it can be. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. I'm honored to have two podcast veterans from Association Briefings with me today. Colby Horton, Association Briefings founder and CEO, is a digital publishing veteran with 20 years of experience in the association space. He's a journalist turned marketer and understands the importance of good strategic content and its place within an association-centric marketing funnel. He founded Association Briefings in 2020 as the association community was forced to find new cost-effective ways to market and communicate to members and the industries they served. And we have Frank Humata, Chief Business Development Officer of Association Briefings, who has devoted 14 years of his professional career to understanding the association space and the challenges within the community. Focused on providing association publishing solutions and driving non-dues revenue, he's formed a deep relationship with hundreds of association executives and their teams. Together, Colby and Frank also host the Engaging in the Next podcast, which I wholeheartedly recommend subscribing to. So welcome, Colby and Frank, and thanks so much for being my first guests on the Association Toolbox. Honored to be here, Beth. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. Do you guys often speak in complete unison like that? All the time. All the time. <laughs> you always know what each other's going to say, and you just say it at the same time in stereo. We've worked with each other long enough, yeah. <laughs> How long have you guys worked together? Uh, 13 years. Wow. I think it's, yeah, about that, yeah. Wow. That's been a, a while. Long time. And I think Frank still likes me, so I... <laughs> I think there's some promise there. Yeah, Beth, I'll talk to you about that later. Side <laughs> conversation. Okay, before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about what Association Briefings does and about your podcast, Engaging the Next, available wherever fine products are sold? I mean, wherever you can subscribe to a podcast. I like the plug. Thank you. Thank you very much. So Association Briefings, we're content creators for the association space. We focus really on podcasting and what we call data-driven, individualized newsletters for associations. We love to help associations tell their stories in any way possible and guide them in that narrative. So that's, that's really what we do in a, in a nutshell. I am all for anyone who supports associations. I think they can use all the support they can get and all the help, and particularly in telling their stories. Absolutely. We love the community. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about podcasting topic. I guess you know a little bit about, but I do want to start off by just addressing kind of the elephant in the room when you talk about associations and podcasts. We all know that there are podcasts that get started for the wrong reasons. So what are those wrong reasons for an association to do a podcast? It could be as simple as, hey, it looks fun, or I saw that other association has one, I want one too, or we, we need to have one just to say we have one. So not the best reasons. I mean, you can argue that, yeah, if another association has one, a competitor in particular, you want to have one as well to share your voice. But I, I think some might establish one, maybe not knowing all that it entails. Yeah, I think that's right. And I'll piggyback off that answer because there is so much involved and 
a lot of people make it look really easy. And I'm sure we'll get into this later on in the podcast, but it can't just be everyone's doing it. So let me jump on it or, oh, this is something new. We got to get involved in it. You have to look at it as a long-term communication or marketing effort, and you have to have the time to do it. You have to be committed to being consistent with it. So if all those things aren't on the table, but you think you still want to start a podcast, I think you probably need to reevaluate it a little bit. Yeah. And I think that some of the things that people are trying to achieve with a podcast, you could definitely achieve in other ways. Mm-hmm. Although I'm starting to, hearing you talk and starting to feel like thinking about having a podcast is a bit like thinking about having a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way you're talking about it, you know, oh, it'd be fun. Oh, well, the neighbors have one. Why don't, why don't we? <laughs> Stick with a puppy, I think. I the puppy. There you go. Puppy's probably a cheaper. better analogy. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like deciding to get a puppy. <laughs> That's a really good analogy because, and we'll get into this in a minute, but so many people started podcasts during the pandemic just across the board and then abandoned them. So many people got a puppy or a kitten or whatever during the pandemic and now the shelters are overrun. So yeah, it's a very good All analogy. The same. Yeah. Yeah. Then what are the right reasons for an association to do a podcast? So many reasons. So many reasons. Thought leadership is huge. I think Frank can attest here. How many associations do we go to their website where they're saying they're the voice of the industry? I mean, podcast lends itself to that that mantra right there. Education is huge. Engagement is huge. Member retention, acquisition. Everything that you ask an association, what are your biggest challenges? What are some of the things you want to do this year to better your association? The same answers we've heard for years and years and years and years. It's what a podcast helps do, essentially. Yeah, agreed. It's also a great way to spotlight members. You know, they have some great stories that they can share that you know, it's great to hear, but also can inspire their peers. So I think it's a great opportunity for them to be able to to be on something and be highlighted. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, people are always looking for ways to spotlight their members. And I can't think of a better one than having their member tell their story in their own voice. How many associations, though, do you think go into podcasting for those reasons, even for the right ones, thinking, oh, it's going to be easy? I mean, we talked a little bit about how it's not as easy. It's more like having a puppy. So how many associations do you think really go into it thinking that and then realize, oh, this is a lot more work than I thought? I think there's a good amount that do their due diligence, understand all that it entails. There might be some that possibly feel that, okay, we'll just put an audio recording on our website behind a member wall and we're set without any promotion or a dedicated page or easy accessibility to, to find it on the website too. Yeah. I think any association who comes into a podcast thinking all I have to do is speak into a mic, have a conversation, press record, and I'm good, then I'm going to tell you that 100% of those folks who thought it was going to be so easy is now looking back thinking that it's not. There's just there's, there's a lot that goes into a successful podcast. And if you look at the Marcom landscape of an association, you got your magazine, most likely you have a newsletter, you got your press releases, probably a blog or two, maybe some white papers. And all those elements I just mentioned, it's it's basically you research, you write, you print and distribute, and you're done. And there's so many more steps in a podcast I don't think people always realize need to be there in, in order to succeed. So it's not your standard Marcom entity within the association ecosystem. There's a lot more there. And unlike some of those other ones, podcast needs to be entertaining, right? Boring podcasts won't be listening to. And of course, the entertainment factor is going to vary by industry. There's only so much entertainment factor you can have in in certain industries. I get that. But it's a different monster that you have to tame. 
Yeah, I can say I've, there's so many times I've started a podcast that the content sounded really interesting to me. I started listening to it and I'm like, okay, I really don't want to hear somebody drone on in this monotone voice for another 45 minutes. So I think I'm just going to, yeah, it, that's what it's kind of what it's like, or they haven't thought about what they're going to say beforehand. They haven't structured it. A podcast is a story. Like you said, it's like anything else that you write. It's a story. You have to have a flow. You have to kind of know where it's going to go because it's a conversation. I think you have to allow for some spontaneity and some tangents that you wouldn't necessarily get, but that's part of what makes them interesting and different than a white paper that's been edited and refined. Right. It's so much more authentic than any of those other communication pieces, right? And the ums and the pauses and the insights that are spontaneously put out there is just part of that authenticity that makes podcasting so unique. And it really, in my opinion, more than any other communication channel, connects the member or the listener to the association because Agreed. there's a voice involved. Agreed. Yeah. And you and I have talked before about Lou Gehrig's speech. Mm-hmm. when he gave up baseball and how the content itself was just so painful in some ways to read and so impactful. But then you go listen to clips and you hear it in his voice. Today, Today I, consider I consider myself, myself the, luckiest the luckiest man, man on the face, on of, the the face earth. of the earth. That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. And there's so much, it's so different. It just, it hits you in a way that reading it alone just can't. And then podcasting is kind of the same thing. And it's one thing to sit there and give a rehearsed testimonial. Yes, of course, you know, those are helpful. You're still hearing the person's voice, but a lot of time it's very rehearsed. And again, you're back to the whole, I'm reading from a script in a lot of cases. You hope you're not, but you do get that. Sure. But yeah, that voice definitely makes a huge difference. And hearing somebody's passion for what they do, I think, with an industry. Yeah. And what better way than to hear it in the voice? I mean, you can write down your passion and put it in a blog post and it's going to get reads and that's great. But to hear you say it, to hear how you're saying, to hear how you're inflecting, to see how you're following up with what's being said, that's the magic of a podcast. So you're basically saying that I can't just take a blog post or an interview and use two different AI voices to put it together and nobody will know the difference? Ooh, ooh, never thought about that. <laughs> and you know, I kind of want to try that now. I kind of want to do an interview and do that and see what happens. All right. If anybody notices. Everyone listening, pay attention now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Beth is on her way. Go on my website and see if you can figure out which video was done with an AI voiceover. Ooh. It won't be difficult. There's only two two videos on there, and one of them has my voice behind it. So it won't be that hard. <laughs> well, that depends on when somebody's listening to this, though, because you know if they're listening to it a couple months from now, there'll be more videos. Who knows? Sorry. See? Tangents. I love stuff like that. That's why I love podcasts. But going back to actually doing a podcast, about what percentage of association podcasts would you say succeed and have longevity it's hard to say i couldn't find any stats on association podcasts and their success rates but i know in general 75 percent of all podcasters discontinue their show after 12 months now that's all podcasters that could be me having one but i think the benefit of an association is they already have that established audience they already have people that can immediately subscribe and listen to their podcast so they have a better shot, especially because they can use the expertise of their members to come on as guests and and share their knowledge with the industry. So how many of those, though, do you think go into it and 
yes, they have all of that, but what they don't have is the bandwidth when they realize how hard it is. How do you combat that? You know that you've got this great tool, this great vehicle that you can use to really put your stuff out there in a new way, but you find out that this actually takes a lot more work than you thought. How do you combat that? Again, it's part of the due diligence of, okay, we're going to start a podcast. What does it entail? It's a matter of working ahead. It's a matter of doing a lot of things as a deadline-driven communications industry. We're all somewhat familiar with. It's the same thing here. You're, you're always going to have deadlines. You, you know when things are going to be published or dropped or, or post-produced or whatever. You have to evaluate where you're missing your bandwidth. If the bandwidth is missing on, let's say, the post-production side of it, well, you can find companies that can do that for you. If you're finding that your host doesn't have time to consistently record episodes for you, that's a problem. And that's something that as you, again, going through the planning stages, that host has to have the commitment to do this on a monthly or weekly or however often you're going to do it. It has to be part of the commitment. They can't be a host if they can't do that. You talk bandwidth, it's a matter of where that bandwidth falls. Is it on the association personnel? Is it on the hosting capabilities? Is it on finding the right guests? Or is it on the post-production or the promotion? I mean, there's so many elements here that you could lose bandwidth on. Rest assured, there are folks that can help you out there. Where they can't help you is the authenticity of your host and your guests. And I think that's the most important part that associations need to focus on. Everything else can probably outsource for you. Yeah. Choosing your host wisely is an incredibly important thing. The host can make or break a podcast. It's not the only thing, but the host can definitely make or break a podcast. 100% agree. You have to be able to go with conversations. You have to be a good moderator. You have to have a nice voice for radio, so to speak. Well, think about the podcasts that you enjoy. You come back to those podcasts, let's face it, for, because of the host, mm -hmm. because it's the host that you're forming a relationship with. If you have a good host, then your listeners think they know them. It's like your late night talk show folks that watch on TV. You, you continually watch them because you like how they deliver something and you learn about their families and you get to know them so much. They don't know you, but they make you think that they do. And that's how a host of a podcast needs to be as well. And if you can't find that person, your podcast is going to struggle retaining listeners listeners moving forward. When we're talking to an association and they're like, oh yeah, our executive director is going to host it or our board chair is going to host it. Are they qualified? Can they carry on a conversation? Can they have follow-up questions when an answer is coming their way? Not everyone is fit for a host. You can be a great leader. You can run an excellent organization, but put a mic in front of you and you're going to stumble. So you're right. The host, I think is the most important. Like you said, like a late night talk show or like one of those afternoon talk shows, Oprah, mm -hmm. Ricky Lake, Ellen, you know, people who are personable and... You threw in Ricky Lake. I, know. I, I, I haven't thought about her out. in years and years. Yeah. So thanks for bringing me back there. Very nostalgic. Uh, hey, Ricky, Ricky didn't, you two, didn't you have two <laughs> different shows though? Didn't she have a show and then it went away for a while and then she had a different show? Oh, I don't know. I remember her first show. Yeah. I think she time. tried to come back with a secondary show that was more scandalous to compete with everything else that was going on. It didn't really yes. have a good shelf life. That's what it was. Wow. Who knew we all knew so much about Ricky? <laughs> yeah. I bet there's a podcast on her somewhere. Oh, probably. There's a podcast on everything. Yes. <laughs> Are there podcasts on you guys? That's the question. Oh, gosh, I hope not. I sure hope. <laughs>
I'm too boring for anyone to have a podcast on me on, so we're good. You haven't done anything scandalous enough. There you go. Oh, listen, you're too boring. You're not saying Frank. Yeah, Frank, how about you? There, you I would love to have someone have a podcast about me. I'd be listening to every episode. Jeez, <laughs> get renewed. I'll tell you what. Go play baseball, and then Colby and I will we'll talk about you on our new baseball podcast. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> you don't want to watch me play baseball. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. This sounds like it might be entertaining based on what you just said. <laughs> See, side tangents like this. This is why I love podcasts that are conversations and not scripted. It's great. So going back to the conversation that I keep driving us away from, sorry. We talked about the host and why the host is important, but what other reasons do you think that the podcasts that actually do succeed, succeed? I think consistency plays a big part, not just the fact that it goes out the same time each week or, or, or month, but even just the format staying true where that's set. But also, let's say one week, an episode's 15 minutes, the next week it's 45, then it's 13 minutes. It just it needs to stay consistent. That way, the listeners know when it's coming out and what to expect. We talked about the host already. That's a huge part of it. Audio quality too is big. I know a lot of people might drop off immediately if the audio is choppy or it's just hard to hear someone. And I think promotion plays an incredible role because you can have a podcast, but if nobody knows it exists, no one's going to listen to it. I'm going to throw out a couple more elements here. One is, is who your producer is, your post producer. Who's that person in the dark room listening to all your bumbles and gibberish and pauses and coughs and puts it together and makes you sound great. Who's that person? In my opinion, they are the ultimate storyteller because they are taking this podcast. I mean, we've gone on numerous tangents today. Who knows what's going to last? Who knows what we said at the beginning that's going to end the podcast or vice versa? Your post producer is extremely extremely important. I think too, when we talk about the success of an association podcast, it's like any other digital channel. We all want to look at stats. We want to see, ooh, how many downloads do we have? How long of an episode is someone listening to? And I always caution associations on those stats, particularly on the podcast side. You talk about an email newsletter and you say, oh, my open rate is 17%. Well, listen to me. I'm kind of excited about a 17% open rate where association B could say, oh man, I'm getting 35. That's terrible. The same thing with podcasts. You're going to see your stats and you're going to see, okay, this last episode, I got 125 downloads. Is that good? I would say that if you are an orthotist and prosthetist association, and you're getting 125 listens to your podcast on upper limb mobility, you're going to guarantee that that's probably 125 orthotists and prosthetists listening to your podcast. And I would say that's great. Again, the stats are in the eye of the beholder. So if you're gauging success of your podcast based on stats, you have to set the proper expectations from the beginning. You can't go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to launch a podcast and have 5,000 listeners in the first 90 days. It's not going to happen. Because if you look at the stats as a whole, the podcasts in the top 1% of all podcasts get about 4,200 listeners in the, in the first seven days. Those are large podcasts that people listen to all the time. So if you're gauging your association's success on that number or thinking you're going to hit that number, you're going to disappoint yourself.
So be aware of your stats, be aware of your consumption rate. Again, as a podcaster, if, if I have a consumption rate of 65%, which means that the average listener listens to 65% of my podcasts, I'm excited because they've heard my intro. They've heard the majority of my interview. If I have a mid-roll ad in there, they've heard that and they've come back and listened to more. They may not have gotten to the end of the podcast and that's okay. But those are some stats that you should look at and set your expectations properly, whether those stats tell you that you're successful or not. You know, so much of success in email marketing is based around opens and click rate. And everybody wants benchmarking. And my charge to everyone who asks about that is the only person you can benchmark against is yourself. Exactly right. And I think it's the same thing. You have to look at your different emails in that case and different podcasts in this case and say, okay, what was successful? Have I been growing my audience? Have people been going back or listening to the past ones? Benchmark against yourself. You're not going to go into the gym the first day and benchmark against somebody who's been lifting for four and a half years. When I first went into the gym, I couldn't do 10 push-ups. 30-second plank made me cry. And by the end, I was deadlifting 185 pounds and doing like one-arm push-ups and all this other stuff. But it was me improving upon myself. If I had gone in there that day and benchmarked against my trainer, forget it. I'd have walked out the door because I'd be like, ah, I'm terrible at this. Podcasting is the same thing. You want to benchmark against yourself. You want to see success. You want to see people going back to listen to the other ones when they discover it. And podcast stats are so new too. We're going to get more and more and more and more. If you look at Apple and Spotify, it takes a while to get enough data for Apple and Spotify to tell you how you're doing on your podcast. And that's okay too. It doesn't mean that your podcast is bad. It just means that, you know, your audience is growing and it takes a little while to get that data in there. So you do have the luxury of not decades worth of stats to compare yourself to. And you're right. You got to be you and determine what's important to you. And I, and I love the fact that you're pointing to seeing your listenership grow, seeing your past episodes go up. And we see that all the time. We, we launch an episode for ourselves or for, for an association, and that episode is still gaining great traction nine months later because we've just continued to launch and new audiences are, are coming about. They liked what you just put out, so they're going to go back and look at other stuff. We see stats on our trailers, on our teasers go up considerably. Those don't just stop once you launch your, your podcast series. People want to know what it's about. So stats are ongoing for podcasts, no doubt. It's not like an email where you send it out and most likely after the first two or three days, that's it. Your stats are done. Podcasts continue to garner good stats. Yeah, it's kind of like a webinar in that way. If, you're, if you've done your webinar as well and kept them up there as archives, Yep. which makes me wonder, podcasting, video or no video? I don't like video podcasts. I'll just, I'll put the controversial statement out there. Podcasts, in, in my opinion, are portable in nature. And when you add a video component to it, suddenly I'm now attached to a screen again. And I'm not able to just put in some headphones and take a run and listen to my favorite podcast or go to the gym or take my kid to soccer or whatever. I don't have that luxury if I have a video in front of me. So that, that's my two cents. And I'm sure people can argue that all day long, but that's where I'm at. And I would agree too. I mean, I have watched some video podcasts, but I find myself not finishing them, whether I'm doing something else, whether it's okay, let me see what else is on TV is I'll push it to my TV. And it just I can't do it. I need to be moving around. I feel if I'm listening to a podcast, I want to be multitasking. And it's hard to do that when I'm watching it on TV. <laughs>
Yeah. I like having the video on when I'm recording one because I feel like it's a more personal conversation because you feel like you can actually see the people like you're in the room. But playing it back, no, I I vastly prefer having just the audio. I like to listen to them while I'm driving or in the mornings when I'm wandering around getting breakfast and everything, I'll have a podcast on and I don't feel like I have to look at the screen because yeah, I feel like I kind of have to look at the screen just because it's there and we're so conditioned to that. And what are you looking at? When it comes to a podcast, what do you end up looking at? You're looking at what looks like Zoom. Mm-hmm. That we're all so tired of seeing. There's only so much entertainment value you can do to a video on a podcast. This is it. I'm looking at Frank. I'm looking at you, Beth. And this would be the video for this podcast. And I'd rather just listen to it. I mean, we would have that lovely picture over your shoulder of the old stadium, but you know. Yes. The old yes, stadium. We can talk about the architecture of it <laughs> all day long. Okay. You have now changed my mind, Beth. I like video. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners, Colby's talking about the Arlington Renegade Stadium photo he has behind him. <laughs> it's terrible, Frank. <laughs> my, my poor Texas Rangers get zero respect. Wait, there's a baseball team called the Texas Rangers? Okay. What? Ooh, All right, let's move on. on. Next question, please. <laughs> Just kidding. So would you say that association podcasts are a marketing function or a membership function? Where do they live in the association? I think that both departments can benefit and you can even throw in education there. And I would say with a lot of my outreach to associations, the department that gets most excited about podcasting is going to be education because they're looking for new ways to educate their members or bring new ones in. So all three can benefit and probably even some more departments too. Yeah, if you look at podcasting as a storytelling element for the association, of course it falls in your in your Marcom department. If you look at it for a way to attract and retain members and increase member engagement, then of course it's part of your membership department. But as Frank said, it seems to be the education group that gets most excited. And association can look at their podcast as a way of delivering some CE credits as well. Nothing says you can't do that. So suddenly the strategy and the goals behind a podcast falls within the education department of an association as well. So don't forget the education group, no doubt. Yeah. So in that vein, what's the best way to use a podcast? It is a tool. It is one of the tools you have in your toolbox. Ha, see what I did there? <laughs> so what's the best way to use a podcast? Sharing stories and experiences from your members and industry professionals, I think is a great way. As we talked about it in length, you know, helping further educate members and attract new ones. And then promoting what's going on. If you have events coming up, it's another avenue to try to get people to register for events and attend things as well. When you're trying to develop, I'm going to call it a traditional content calendar for your podcast, you're going back to successful webinars, you're going back to newsletter or publication articles that are most popular, you're going back to education sessions that had a really great facilitator or speaker, and that's kind of what you're drawing your podcast content from. And so as you conclude a podcast, nothing says you can't point to those other elements within your Marcom ecosystem. Oh, hey, for more information, make sure you go back to a past webinar we've done or check out this article we did in our magazine a couple years ago or whatever. So it really strengthens that Marcom effort that you've done, assuming it's some kind of evergreen content that you're putting in your podcast, but nothing says you shouldn't be pointing to other parts of your association. Hey, our, our conference is coming up and we have a, a session that's devoted to this topic here. If you liked it, hey, make sure you're registering. So it's it's a great it's a great promo piece for you too. Yeah, and you do have the summary that comes with each episode that you can actually put links in or direct people to it as well, which is helpful. So 
final thoughts before we get to the fast four questions. Somebody asks you, what's the best thing about doing a podcast? What's your 15 second or less answer? I think we've, we've kind of hit on it a little bit. The ability to be authentic to your members, the ability to be the voice of the industry, the ability to increase your value proposition as an association, to be that thought leader in the industry, putting a voice to the name of the association. I think all of those play into the best part of putting together a podcast. It's a medium unlike any other, even more so than video. It's just different. And it really helps advance the association. Frank, anything to add? Would that be your 15-second best thing? Yeah, I'm going to steal Colby's answer. And as you <laughs> mentioned, it, it's a multitasking medium. You know, you don't have to pay attention to a screen or, or read text. You can just listen and do whatever you want and be able to hear some great stories. I like it. I like it. I think that's what I like about them too, is it just, it's engaging and engrossing in a way that other things aren't because you get that voice. You get that personality behind the voice. You get the inflections. It's almost like an audio book. It brings the story to life in a different way, but it still allows your imagination to run wild because your imagination isn't captured by little lights on a little screen. So as we wrap up, I am going to give you something that's inspired by your own podcast. Hey, hey. Uh-oh. the fast four questions. So you can blame yourselves for whatever comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so question one, what is the one ingredient that absolutely must be on pizza? Frank. Pepperoni. Colby. Cheese, duh. <laughs> Isn't that a given? You have dairy issues, Colby. Yeah. Oh, all right. My apologies. I stick with cheese. <laughs> it's worth it. Is that what you're saying? Even if you have dairy issues. <laughs> <laughs> what is your go to karaoke song, Colby? Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. Excellent choice. Frank? Trying to decide which Missy Elliott song I want to do here. <laughs> um, get Your Freak On is pretty good. Gossip Folks is good as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would say Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott. And I'm not going to sing it today, so I apologize, everyone. Oh. I thought for sure you were going to say I would do anything for love by Meatloaf. <laughs> that is that is a good one. It depends on the audience, though. You got to know your audience when it comes to karaoke. That is a good point. And that actually does tie back to podcasts a little bit, too. You got to know your audience. All right. So sticking in the music category, let's see they make a musical of your life. What's the name of the musical? Frank. Frankly speaking, let <laughs> me be frank. Those are my two working titles. Good choices, Colby. See, Frank's... This is a legit question for Frank. I mean, this is something he thinks about all the time. <laughs> what should my autobiography be called? What's what's the movie called? I mean, it's all the same. I, I could actually answer the same way I answered the pizza question. Colby cheese? Something about cheese. Colby cheddar? <laughs> ah, that's a hard question, and I hate to do it. I'm going to have to... I'm. I'm either going to have to pass it back to Frank and have him write the name of my my title, or I'm going to have to get back to you on that one, Beth. Oh, no, you have to come up with something. Okay. Yeah, don't put it, it back on me. I should, though, Frank. Frank. No, no, that's not. Frank, what's, 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 against the, what's rules? the musical called? While you're thinking, since Frank is thinking about this all the time, who plays you, Frank? Ooh, that's a tough question. Missy Elliott. <laughs> I mean, it is a musical. I'd be cool with that. 
<laughs> Maybe Josh Gad. That would be entertaining. Definitely. I, I, I could go with that. Yeah. If only to see Josh Gad singing Missy Elliott songs. <laughs> in an Olaf costume, Frank, or, or not? <laughs> Maybe the, the second act. <laughs> Colby, I think you should name your musical Friends in Low Places. There you go. It just hit me. I like it. Don't give him answers. I just, no, it just hit me. <laughs> it, it's bringing me back to high school right now. It's peeking over at my desk mate's answers there to get the right answer. I think you just helped me out with that. Thank you. Sure. There you go. I don't know why that hit me, but I was like, you should call it friends in low places. There you go. Well, Frank is my friend, so it does make a lot of sense. That, <laughs> again, debatable. We're not sure about that. Well, that's right. It's debatable that you're friends or that it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I, I think he just divulged something there. So oh. <laughs> now we're getting into Ricky Lake territory here, people. Come on. Yes, finally. <laughs> Two Ricky Lake back to Ricky Lake. Whoa! I wasn't expecting that. Yes, always. Okay, last question. We all know that all the newspapers have a eulogy on file for all kinds of famous people and everything. We're just waiting, right? So someone somewhere is writing your eulogy right now. What is the one thing you hope is in it? Colby. Uh, good father. I pride myself on my kids and my wife and just bringing them up in a good, healthy world. So I would hope that'd be in there. Frank? He just wanted everyone to have a good time. That's it. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast and for all that you do for the association world in terms of helping them understand this medium and what it means and why they should do it and where they should go with it. It's very much appreciated. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Beth. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody else, for listening. You can subscribe to Frank and Colby's podcast, Engaging the Next, on pretty much any podcast platform. And please, while you're at it, hit the subscription button for this one wherever you're listening. Have a great day.